Welcome to the quick. I can't even say my own intro. Welcome to the Quick Stop F1 podcast. My name is Nasha, and you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that today. Joining me is one of my favorite F1 content creators. Okay, this guy's big in the game. He's, I saw this guy last year go flew out to Miami like one thought. I can't believe it. The channel's going ah so much. I can't even keep up with what this guy's doing. Uh, and I know I saw on your notifications on YouTube, I saw you tease the little thing with a couple, couple drivers. I'm not even going to say anything, but I saw it. And I was hating, but I love him too much. So I can't hate too much. <laughs> Welcome to this show. Tomo! Tomo F1 fame. How you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, when was the last time I was on? It was, it was, uh, You've not been on it? since I think the Mexico Grand Prix in 2021, Ooh. I believe, which was the famous episode where I think Tandy called Valtteri her stepson. Yes, um, I do remember. So that one's lived on, hasn't it? Like that, <laughs> yeah, like that's lived that, on as part of the is... community kind of. <laughs> Like Every time we bring him up, uh, it feels like, yeah, someone has to be hashed out. We labelled him our stepson. And it's just for the rest of his career now, amongst all of his accolades, it's, it's, it's going to be us labelling his stepson. But look, it's not about me. It's not about you, Thomas. It's about you guys at home. If you are watching this, make sure to smash that like button. Give us a subscribe as well. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a five-star review. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and also... If you want an ad-free stream, there's the Patreon. Tomo, before we get into all of the things that have been happening in F1 this week, um, how are you finding this season? I guess as a content creator, we, you know, I guess we've, we we have we had the highs of 21, then maybe the the let's say plateau of 22 with what happened, you know, the dominance of Red Bull. A bit more of the same this year, but feels like there's a bit more to talk about. But how are you finding, I guess, the F1 season? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've always, um, I, I've always been able to find value from from any season because typically the drivers that I've pulled for, like my entire <laughs> life, have, have usually <laughs> been a bit mid, a bit average. <laughs> you know, fighting for you know points is the best you can do, and I think I, I can I can find enjoyment in that. Of course, you know. Even even 2020, um, you know, lockdown, yeah, really like unpredictable podiums. Uh, 2020, 2021 sport us in terms of action and drama. And yeah. you know, for this this time last year, Charles was he'd only just kind of gone out of the fight. Really, um, yeah. there was still an outside chance. Oh, it just takes one big Ferrari upgrade and he's right back up there again. So there was still at least some hope. And I think yeah. this is the first season we've really seen a driver from kind of almost day dot really you know, take ownership of the championship since probably 2019, would you say, with yeah. Lewis? I'd probably say so with Lewis. 2019, I mean, you had that first three, four race period maybe where it was like him and Bottas were like, oh, Bottas 3.0, do we know what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, and then and then Lewis just, uh, he just went to town, didn't he? He had it sewn up early. So yeah, I'd probably say 2019 yeah. is probably... Yeah, the last time we had this level. Yeah, so, so li listen, look, I, this isn't massively out of the ordinary as, a, as an F1 fan. You've kind of got to, you, you take the rough with the smooth in terms of competitiveness for a championship. And look, I, I, I think that 
at the end of the day, I'm I I retain faith that the regs will, you know, by next season. I think I, I'm hopeful it will have closed up somewhat. At the end yeah. of the day, is the the onus is on you know everyone to you can put the ATR, you can put a budget cap all you like. It's it's human beings designing racing cars. You know, if Mercedes <laughs> had made a few different decisions last year and maybe listen to Lewis a bit earlier, then who knows where that, you know, that butterfly effect could have taken things, right? I'm just saying, come on. Surely, surely, no. surely. You're not wrong. And I think, and I think that's the thing. A couple of things, you know, when people are like, oh, we need to change the regulations to peg, peg back Red Bull. As much as I would be up for that, I'm almost like, what do you change now? Because they're just so good. I guess maybe the DRS kind of thing, how they've done that. But DRS is linked to like the whole car. And so it's not just like they've got a bigger flap to help them get faster straight line speed. And, mm. you know, there's not really one thing on the car that, that is excellent. The whole package is great. But if you change something, Mercedes has been working towards a new, a new concept. They could change something and then that could take that whole concept away. And I just think that, yeah, like yeah. you say, I feel like, as much as the last two years have not been, I would say, fun from uh, a Lewis Hamilton winning all the time perspective for me, I I do, now that they've changed concepts, I do have a bit more faith in that. And then seeing where, you know, the way Aston Martin have gone, gone up and, you know, and been able to challenge, surely Ferrari must get better. And then, you know, the directives that they're going to have less, less less uh, uh, time in the wind tunnel and, and, and the designing and so forth with Red Bull. Maybe I'm silly. Maybe I'm hoping against hope, but I do think that we are going to see convergence. And we already maybe did see some convergence at Canada. I don't know. Do, or do you think that was a full storm? Uh, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because, I mean, yeah. A, Max had a literal dead bird stuck in, <laughs> stuck in the front yeah. of his car. So who knows how much time that was costing him. Alonso was holding back for a fuel flow issue that wasn't even an issue so he could have yeah like, the, the the so so who knows how much he was was losing maybe a tenth maybe two tenths a lap so yeah i mean canada is one of them that it's a bit of a unique circuit as well it's yeah it's, you know punishes your, your low speed performance which i think hence why lewis maybe wasn't able to hold on to p2 in the end but yeah oh uh, yeah I, I just you know again th this is what we have to accept that because this isn't a spec series, sometimes this is is going to happen, and you've got to find you've got to find kind of joy and excitement and story in the other, you know, every, in everyone else. It's not just about who's winning at the front. I think there's really compelling narratives throughout F1, and that's what I have always been probably just as much drawn to. Of course, I love a championship fight at the front as much, yeah. as, much as the next person, of course, but there is more to it for me than that and i guess that's where i don't i don't know about you but like i i've certainly found that you know this time last year an equivalent video is probably now doing about 70% of the viewership than it was this time last year yeah and because yeah. I, I just think that you know for you to be really invested into f1 to the extent that you're going to come on youtube to search it out right now where you do have yeah. this really dominant you know driver car package at the front then that requires you to be really, really into it and either be, you know, have creators that you're really, really engaged with. Um, but yeah. we all have more casual following who dip in and out. And I think those yeah. have maybe moved away a little bit at the minute. Oh, no, 100%. And I think probably us, if we're going to be honest, like probably us with, you can see like the spikes when, when 
Mercedes haven't done as well. Although to be fair, last season we were, we had pretty solid things, but this year when Mercedes haven't done as well, like the the viewership numbers have gone down. But then when Lewis has done really well, or there's been like a good narrative or story around Lewis, then people are searching for that again, and I guess they know where to come for for that. So it is it has been interesting to see, um, and I think you're right finding the joy in narratives elsewhere on the grid. I think that's something that I've quite enjoyed this season. Um, one of which I have to talk to you about. I couldn't get you on the show without talking about Alex Alban. Um, so actually, just randomly, you're probably the biggest, or maybe not the biggest, but you were outwardly Alban, like mm. from the beginning. I don't think I saw anyone rep Alban. And this is not a spot on anyone who reps Alban. I just personally hadn't seen anyone before you, especially from a content creator perspective, mm. repping album. What is it about Alex Alburn that kind of drew you to him to like support him in the way that you do? Yeah, it's funny because so my first actual F1 video on my channel is uh, was when Albon replaced Gasly at Red Bull. That was my very, oh, very nice. first, very first video. Yeah. So middle of 2019. And uh, yeah, I, to be honest, like I, I watched that video back and I talk about Alex. I'm like, oh, I like, I like this kid. Like I've seen him his first half. Mm. I, you know, I, at that time I wasn't really following the F2, so I didn't really have too much knowledge of him prior to jumping into F1. Mm. And obviously, I've learned that since. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you know what? I, I think it's it's a combination of factors. I think I liked the more I kind of read into him. He's he's from kind of well, he's from I think he's from near like Colchester, so it's like yeah. I think he's, just Suffolk, but like top of Essex. Top of and Essex. I'm an Essex yeah, that's so it's, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> th there's that. Um, I don't know. I just like, I like his character. I like the way he comes across. I like the way he articulates himself. And you know what? I think back in kind of 2019 and, and before 2020 started, you know, I really liked him and he was one of my favorites, but I wouldn't have put him ahead of, you know, I really liked Lando. I really liked yeah. Lewis. I really liked, like, I really liked a lot of drivers and I still got a lot of love for, you know, pretty much all the grid, right? But I think because of because of the struggle of 2020 and then almost the, the the desperation for him to now come back and the resurgence, that whole character arc, in yeah. the same way, you know, I, I like I like Ocon for, for there's various <clears throat> reasons, right? And I like the way he comes across and articulates himself, but also the fact that he got dropped, so I think unfairly, still found his way back and now he's, you know, got that race win, he's got these podiums, yeah. you know, it's those kind of, maybe it's because I'm a, you know, I'm a West Ham fan. I'm used to pain. I'm used <laughs> to suffering. But, you know, nothing beats a playoff final victory. And it's almost like, yeah. you know, Alex getting back and now doing well. And I think getting the acknowledgement that I think it's, it's easy to to, to hit, knock drivers when they're down, right? And he was yeah. down bad in 2020, very bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I maybe, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't put my finger on it to be honest, man. I just there's a lot of things that have come together that have just been like, you know what? This is my guy that I'm gonna put most of my stock behind. Ah, uh, no, and I think like for me, I'll be honest. He had the, a bit of the Red Bull stench on him, so like I couldn't <laughs> really get into him like too much. And then there was the two incidents with Lewis, and I was like, God, like one of them was that I feel like. I feel like Brazil was definitely Lewis's fault. I think Austria, it was like that was impatient, but they were both impatient, to be honest. 
I actually think movie. the other way around. I, I, I really? think uh, Alex was more at fault. He just left the door so open at Brazil. He was kind of yeah. asking for it. And I think he was mm. a bit naive. But I think I think Lewis was bang at fault for Austria. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. That's fine. And look, he got punished for both, if I'm not uh, incorrect, um, which both led to uh, unexpected podiums for, for Gasly and, and Norris. Um, Indeed. But... Um, I would say, so there was that, um, but I think since going to Williams, I think, I think what I like is almost, you know, if we're going to use football analogies as well, I like when players get written off and then they go to a club and they find themselves or, you know, star boys who maybe didn't make it. For For example, like Martin Odegaard at Real Madrid, everyone hyped him, didn't work out, comes to us and went, you know, I love that kid my whole heart i think he's incredible um but he's doing really well he's successful now and i think with alex he's kind of found that home at williams now yeah. where he's a leader they've got a team principal who I, I i didn't expect to see james Bowles doing so well at williams so quickly to be honest but he seems to have brought a real sense of direction that that hasn't been mm. there before i mean but I guess what I wanted to ask, have you seen like a different level of Alex since, I guess they say between last year and this year, or is it just that the calm is able to give him what he wants? Because, you know, we, we have seen good results from him last year as well, but maybe yeah. it does feel like maybe the team and driver have gone gone up a level this year. Yeah, it, it, it's really, actually, when you think about it, it's quite difficult to really get a clear rating on Alex because so often when we look at drivers, don't we, we, we look at who they've been teammates alongside yes so you know when lewis jumped in at um, at mclaren alongside fernando fernando was a proven entity and the fact that lewis was right up there straight away was like that's what made that so impressive and immediately right we know he's the real deal you know alex came in half season alongside daniel kvyat was pretty much there slightly fewer points but performance wise pretty much there you know, did a really good job in 2019 in the Red Bull. Yeah, he was yeah. consistently up there. I mean, that that overtake on Vettel in Talagos. Well, oh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that, man. I'll never forget that. That's when it peaked for me. Um, and then obviously gets slapped by Verstappen, who's, you know, since slapped, you know, Gasly and Perez as yeah. well. So that's the difficult one to get a measure on. Then he goes into the Williams alongside Latifi, who was trash, and George smashed him. <laughs> Alex equally smashed him, but then different generation of cars. And then Logan, like Logan's a rookie, so yeah. it's, it's it's difficult to get a, a real measure. But I am seeing a kind of confidence. I'm seeing a yeah. I don't. I I do actually in part. I think in the long run, he will look back on those troublesome times at Red Bull. Um, yeah. With you know, like you learn most from the adversity in life, don't you? And and I think yeah. he's had a he's had a whole career's worth of adversity, and he's only had three and a half years' experience in F one, in terms of race seat time, which is yeah. less than you'd think, True. right? Because he had the year off. Exactly, and 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 I, for me, it's one of those where I I really do, yeah, I really do agree with that. In that, you know, Lewis says all the time in terms of you know. It's the it's the it's the bad times that have taught me the most, and uh, I, I do think you know there was obviously you did a you did a, a video that came out today. We'll put a link below uh, about all of this. So sorry to just steal all the content you probably said on there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, uh, I think I saw on Twitter someone say, and I try and find the tweet, but it was like, and I guess I'll put this to you: Is Alex Albon 
better off being the leader in a lower team and and trying to bring that team closer to the front. How realistic is it you know, that Williams can get close to the front or whatever, but maybe fighting for podiums one day? Or going to somewhere like Red Bull, let's say if they want to take him back or do take him back, but he's always going to be second driver to Verstappen. And, you know, I mean, I guess he would always back your talent in those situations. Maybe he thinks he's quicker than Verstappen, but sorry, I guess within that team environment, he'll never really get be number one driver there. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I try not to... I, I consider Alex's ability on a par around where I consider Pierre. I, I, I think them two, I, I see them quite equally in terms of ability-wise. Now, obviously, I'm drawing on the last few years, well, that's yeah. three and a half years plus a year out um, of racing and, and a lot of different machinery, so it's impossible to say for sure, right? But yeah, I, I do think that Vows gives me confidence the way he articulates himself. You know, he's not had long there and he's instilled a lot of confidence already, which I think is super important from just from the team personnel, right? They talk about yeah. human confidence and getting behind the team and, and why it's so important to be like a positive, like, yeah, positive noise in your team. Because, yeah. you know, all the staff, all the personnel look at the drivers. So I do think, yeah, he, he's he's the perfect driver for Williams right now. And I think they're the perfect team for him. And I, I do think, you know, at least I think he needs to give it till the end of next season there yeah. to return the loyalty that they've shown him because they, you know, th there was no obligation to pick him and, and it was yeah. certainly a risk um, to take him on. He's, he's paid them back for sure. Right. And I, I had no doubts he was going to do brilliant. Like when he went back to Williams, because, you know, I, I'm invested and I've, I pay more <laughs> attention to Alex, I suppose. I think, oh, cause that's it, isn't it? It's like when you've got a driver that you support, right. You pay more attention to, yeah what goes on both like consciously and subconsciously. And I just felt, yeah. I, I felt always felt confident that he was the driver over say De Vries because De Vries was getting touted for that seat as well. And I think right now, like Alex is a country mile ahead of De Vries. Uh, man, it's, it's quite, as much as we, you know, obviously we'll always highlight it, you know, we'll make videos about it. It is quite sad watching someone struggle in F1 because it's very brutal. Like you, you know, there's no hiding place and, when it rains, it pours, kind of like with Alex, right? When yeah, when it wasn't sure. going his way and, you know, it, it really did feel like the pressure of the world is on your shoulders, right? And then uh, I think that's the case with Nick. But conversely with Alex, <clears throat> the good form just keeps going and going and he's getting these results. And, you know, I think Canada was just reward really for, you know, look, look at the tyre strategy he had to employ. You look at, you know, the defensive work he had to do. On those tyres, uh, you know, the performance in Q2 in the rain, you know, it, it really was, I think, one of the week, one of those weekends where maybe some more of the casual people would have been like, you know what, this guy, mm. this guy's got a real talent. Yeah, and look, it's a different challenge when you're fighting for P7 in a car that, you know, again, it, it suited the characteristics of Canada for sure. Um, it helped rain and, you know, rain coming and him putting the slicks on and getting into yeah. Q3, you know, those kind of, it, it is a different type of challenge um, in that midfield. And the fact that he's, you know, he's had his time in a, what is, you know, what was theoretically a quick car in, yeah. in 2020. But I mean, even, you know, going from 20, Max was way more comfortable in the 21 Red Bull than he was in the 20 Red Bull. That was a difficult, edgy car to drive, right? So I just think that, yeah. 
But well, actually, I wanted to ask you because sure. you know where where do you consider Alex amongst the when you look at all these drivers? Yeah, you look at you know even like we're saying like Norris and Ocon and Gasly and where do you like Bottas? Where where do you consider Alex amongst Ooh. those names? Because it is I I think objectively it is really difficult to have a strong it, idea. It is, isn't it? Look, if if I'm going to be honest, I think there's like let's say like three to five, maybe four or five tiers, I would say, of drivers, right? I mean, I guess you're, if you're doing them in like percentiles, but mm. <clears throat> I think at the moment, Lewis, Alonso and Max are in their own kind of league. Agreed. I think Charles with confidence would be in that three, but I just don't think the confidence is there. I don't think the team is there and... I feel a bit sorry for him. But also, he has himself to blame for some of the errors that he's done. So, I would put... I would put Lando and Charles in, like, the just below world-class tier, world champion Mm -hmm. tier, let's say. George... And then Alex. (laughs) And then Alex. I think Alex is in in that group with, like you say, Pierre, Ocon, Pierre, Ocon, Science. Mm-hmm. That group, I think, but I think he is... He's up there in that group. I struggle with that group, though. That can change from... It depends mm, on how you look at it, right? Like, you know, if you're looking at race wins, then, you know, Alex is the only one without a race win. But then if you're looking at, I would say, maybe consistency of performances, Alex has got a really good level of consistency now. You know, lack of... Lack of uh, unforced errors. I would say, Alex, you know, d- despite... You know, Canada and uh, and what was it? Was he in, yeah, did he spin in? Was did, was it spinning Canada? No, he just didn't get out on the right tires, did he? Sorry. Or he no, put it, it in the wall in Australia, didn't he? In Australia, um, that was from it, a yeah. really good so, position as well, which was yeah, gutting. yeah, I can imagine. So, I would say between yeah, I would say between him and Ocon, I would say are yeah for top for top of that list. I think science has talent. I just. Sometimes there's so many unforced errors. Sometimes I just don't understand. Mm. Like, and then with Gasly, I think he's still getting used to the Alpine. So that's a long answer of saying I think he's in the top. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's in the top. T- I think that he's in puts the top him in the 10. top half. That puts him yeah. In the I top think he's half, in the top yeah. ten, and I think he's. I think depending on how you look at it, I would put him between between seventh and tenth, yeah. depending on how you would evaluate. This is what I think as well. I just think the standard of F1 drivers now is is the highest it's ever been because, you know, there's there's so much more, like, it's still not a meritocracy, far from it. But I think more than ever, I think motorsport is as accessible as it has ever been. It's still not very accessible by any stretch, right? But it is Mm. more so things are moving in. In the direction, I, I I know that um when what was it Esteban was doing uh, having a chat with Matt and Tom and he was saying you know he yeah. thinks the whole field's within a couple of tenths which I mean I wouldn't be surprised if it's, it's like a few tenths like quick lap 
maybe yeah. two, uh, probably more like three for me. But I do think that, you know, we don't have apps. Now that Tifi's gone, we don't have these absolute bums yeah. like, stinking up the place anymore. Like, like no, we always have done. Yeah. No, not at all. Which makes the debris situation a bit sad because you wouldn't expect it for someone of that, I guess, that caliber. But, but no, for sure, I think it's yeah. I think the, the field is really close, and that's what we hope. If, if there's you know continued convergence of of cars, then we're going to have some incredible racing. But look, I want to talk to you about some business stuff that's happened in the world of F one, and we'll do that. After these messages from our sponsors. <laughs> right. Um, if you're watching this far, make sure to give us a like, subscribe, all of them things there. Tomo, uh, some news come out today about uh, uh, the Alpine um, uh, investors buying into the Alpine F1 team. Uh, and obviously the big headlines amongst that is that uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKelleny, uh, the the duo who obviously took over Wrexham uh, and and have taken them into the National Football League, and obviously got the show on Disney Plus, which is uh, extremely popular, have taken over uh, as part of a consortium for twenty four percent of Alpine, which values Alpine. Uh, I had the figures here. It's nine hundred million, I think. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Tyson. You might be more professional than me. Um, <laughs> um, I guess. What are your thoughts on? I guess on that. It it's made big news today. I guess. I guess, and it must help Alpine. I guess you know that's going to be extra investment they're going to have. They've got big ambitions. Um, uh, so I guess yeah, thoughts thoughts on Tego, and I guess the fact that you've got you, you know um, Ryan and Rob involved in that, which which will bring a lot more I guess media attention to Alpine if they decide to do the same thing that they've done with uh, with Wrexham. Yeah, because I think you know the the most clear and obvious difference is they you know fully bought out Wrexham, so they yeah. fully took on that that role. This is part of a broader. I mean, some of the other investment companies, you know, they're linked to, what is it? I think Liverpool. We have them the here, man. actually. Yeah, uh, we've got, yeah, uh, Ultra Capital and Redbird Capital Partners who own the third largest stake in Fenway Sports Group who own Liverpool, the Boston Red, Bo Red Sox baseball team and uh, Milan and Toulouse. Yeah, so, so they've got, you know, there's big money. These are big money people coming in, you know, uh, I, I can't remember how much they bought Wrexham for, but it wasn't, you know, this is a small part of a much bigger thing where they'll have less direct yeah. kind of tie and responsibility to it. I think, you know, Alpine have talked quite recently about wanting a kind of cash injection. I think it's like $218 million, yeah. I think it is. So yeah. that's obviously going to, that's money that can go towards facilities because Enstone's quite restricted where it's kind of in the, I don't know if you've, I've driven through Enstone. Not like okay. just the, the village. And it is literally yeah. like a random... And I was like, why do I recognise the name of this village? This random village we're driving through. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, it's Enstone. And um, yeah, so it's like, it's limited in, in that way. So I think that money will obviously help. But I, it feels like... So I've read the press releases about kind of Alpine, because they've still only got one car, which I think is fucking ridiculous. Like, how, have you, how are you still only selling one car if you're going to put them in F1? You sell one fucking yeah. car. Like, what, what's wrong with you? Like they're going to yeah. have like seven, I think, by the end of, I think they said 2030. So I okay. guess being able to build up the, the yeah, again, you, you see what they did 
what they've done with Wrexham, they can still do something along those lines. It makes sense yeah. that you've got these people who've got a tried and tested method of bringing eyeballs to a sporting venture, you know, particularly with obviously Ryan and Rob. So, I mean, look, I, I think it's it makes sense. And I think you look at the value it's put on Alpine at 900 million and that kind of also makes sense. We're getting close to a billion now. If, if yeah. the teams do rise that entry barrier to well, what, 600 million they're talking about, then that adds 400 million onto the price tag of every team, right? Surely. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's the thing, right? That they're saying that the 200 mil that they signed for the Concord Agreement for new teams is super outdated now. Like mm. the teams are worth so much. And for you to be a new team to come in, you're going to have to bring that level of worth to to the sport. Um, I think what's interesting about it for me is that Formula One is starting to be seen as profitable, not just on the racetrack, but as a business and as an entity and socially. And I think that's something that we always kind of would talk about is that this space is so new relatively to football relatively to maybe uh, other American sports like NBA and NFL. Um, so I think what's interesting is that people are looking at teams and be like, yeah, we're going to put money in and we're going to be expecting to receive quite a hefty investment back. And uh, I think that just puts the sport in quite an exciting place to know that, it you know, if things continue as they are, you know, we're only really at the beginning of what, you know, what yeah. could be an incredibly massive sport. What should be a massive sport? It's crazy that it's, you know, not not big already. Well, even the even the money that Liberty paid, I can't remember off the top of my head what they paid for F1, but I know it's valued significantly higher yeah. now. I guess the one thing is, is that value actually sustainable value? You know, you, talk, you see all these companies like Uber have never turned yeah. a profit and they're valued this much, but they've never made any money. It's like... They're waiting on, and that's, I guess, maybe a slight concern, these inflated figures. You got a lot of this with um, esports teams, actually. A lot of money went yeah. into esports over yeah. lockdown. And now all of a sudden, they're all like phases up the swanee, like all of them are, yeah. but unless they're shifting a lot of merch, they're fucked. So that maybe makes me a bit concerned that these inflated figures, is that based on reality? Like, can they shift the merch? Can they get the prize money? Can they get the sponsorship to actually back that up? I guess we'll see. Well, we'll see. I, I do think there's like... so I'm seeing so many conflicting reports on how much these guys paid. So, <laughs> like, they, like, I'm reading something that said 301 million of its own cash to buy Formula One auto racing in January. But then I'm seeing that they got the keys to the series with 4.6 billion from... Oh, so maybe that was before... Before 2017, I mean, then there's an eight billion deal. I mean, I just honestly, all right, they paid 4.84 for for 18.7 percent stake before completing the remainder of the deal. So, so yeah, it's you know, I think like I say, it's all on these projections of the social capital, right? They Formula One struck gold with Drive to Survive. It was a happy accident. They couldn't get Red Bull, uh, so they couldn't get Mercedes and Ferrari to join. So they focused on the lower teams and basically yeah. made a reality series that turned into oh, the most like incredible, uh, incredible things for for them. Uh, and I just think that 
it's one of those things where I do think there's I do think there's going to be a saturation point mm. with the success of drugs. Look, every other sport has done that now. Like, well, every other sport well, the, has got a thing. The thing is, we've got the TV series coming out, don't we? We've got the movie as well movie. that Lewis is working on. Um, that, and you know, now with this, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a behind-the-scenes Alpine kind of Welcome to Wrexham-esque yeah. series, right? So I feel like... Yeah. You know, Draft to Survive has been the conduit, but in the same way that with football, you get the All or Nothing series and there's so many different like documentaries that focus on the stories of these clubs behind closed doors. You know, I think we're going to start to see that now with F1 and there's still a lot more scope because, I mean, you know, teams do their own social media, but we're not seeing a properly well-produced, again, Welcome to Wrexham-esque series for a team. We've not really seen that be done yet. And I think they're is certainly going to be the the audience for that as much as there is because I, I think people just you know we as we we see like one percent of what actually happens we don't see the yeah there, the factory we don't get that connection that understanding so i think there's so many stories that can be told that aren't still still aren't being told so i think there is the scope yeah. for it. it it's just yeah i i think the sport also it is in a difficult position now where you know, 2021 set a standard for a lot of people in terms of the excitement yeah. and the, you know, thrill and the the action and the drama, right? And and that is going to keep a lot of these casual people hooked. And now that, you know, this has become a bit more of a, you know, it's not unusual F1 season that to have one car at the front dominate. And that's not unusual at all, but it will yeah. be unusual to a lot of new fans who have come in. So if you can't kind of you can't give them what you've almost promised them with 2021 yeah. and even the start of 22, then it becomes a bit difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and uh, Chris just wanted to remind us as well, there's a Lewis documentary coming out, which I'll be seated for. And obviously, you know, if they want to give us tickets for the, the premiere of, of either film, then we're, we're here and we're not doing anything. Wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Um, so, <laughs> So, so yeah, I think, do you see an issue? I guess the thing is, they're selling out pretty much every race, right? Mm -hmm. The Miami ticket sales, they seem to have said they had even more people than last year, although it kind of felt from the ticket offers that were going around and some of the food, especially for the price a lot of session. a lot of price gouges got burnt bad at Miami. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine lot, when I went last year, even even last year when I went the first one. Like I, th I think there were a lot of gouges. I think they did all right because it was the first one, but I think the yeah. second one. I think I think a lot of gouges bought a lot of tickets, expecting people to be prepared to pay, and that to take an L on the tickets. Right, yeah, they'd have to, and I think the fact that we've, as, as Roy said this, I think the fact that they've they've got Vegas. It's like, you know, do I pay that much to go to Miami or do I just pay a bit more and I get to go to Las Vegas and, you know, it's not in the blistering fucking sun. It's at night. It's a Saturday night, mm. first Vegas race. And I'm in Vegas. It's quite an easy choice. But do you see, do you ever see an issue with Formula One? The prices are not going down for races. Like, and the prices are getting to a point, <clears throat> or probably have been getting to a point now where 
it's alienating at some races. They're still cheaper races. You know, if you look at Hungary, I think Barcelona is still quite cheap. Um, Monza, but then, you know, issues around Monza with security and getting in and, you know, facilities. But they're still cheaper. But on the whole, for example, let's say the British Grand Prix is, you know, with the dynamic pricing and everything is, you know, super expensive. I guess, is there a bubble in that? Or do you just... Do you just see those prices going up and up and up and up and 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 everyone just kind of being able to milk it for as much as it's worth? Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because again, this this applies to to any sport, and yeah, they 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 know if they know they're going to sell out, and they can charge a little bit more, then they will. Yeah. Of course, like of course yeah. they will, and yeah. you know, I I do I think I'd love to be able to keep at least Saturday, like cheaper because it's a weekend. Obviously Friday, yes, but then people will work. And I know people work yeah. weekends, of course, but, you know, it's, I think the sport should, it owes itself to not price out the general public because of the knock-on effects. Like think how many fewer you know, youngsters are going to be able to go to a Grand Prix because, you know, like you, you, your parents and then your brothers and sisters, like there's four, say it's five, six of you going, like that's yeah. that's over a grand. You know what I mean? To, to go to Silverstone for the weekend, like okay, so you don't go, so then you don't get this early experience. You don't maybe convert as a fan that you could have. Like I, I think there is a if if they go the greedy route and just chase the oh we can sell out at this price, then boom, yeah, they might make more short term money, but I think long term, if you want the sport to be big and you know, a lot of the, all of the social media work that F1's done, putting into their own YouTube channel and all that, you know, that's not ne necessarily driving a profit. Um, them making like TikToks and Instagram reels and YouTube highlights, that's not necessarily driving a profit. It's not driving a profit no. for sure. The, the amount of resources that goes into it, but it's building that fan base that will, you know, can convert as an F1 fan at 10, 11, 12 years old watching it on YouTube and still be watching and supporting when they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, that's it, right? And you have to, you know, the fact that it's behind a paywall as well. Um, you know, yeah. I got into it on my own because I was able to flick through the channels and it was on BBC One. Oh, fuck me, I'm old. It was on BBC One at the time. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I got into it all on my own. Like, I didn't, none of my parents, and like, you know, it's harder to do that, although social media does make it, you know, the, the internet does make it easy once you get to a certain age to figure out, okay, I can, you know, I can download music here, I can fucking, mm. I can go watch races here, I know, you know, whatever. I'm sure kids are more, a lot more tech savvy than I was <laughs> at 10 years old. Um, but I think, yeah, it's important to to keep these barriers to entry as low as possible. And I think the joy of, I mean, I've never been to an F1, an, an F1 uh, race and you know, I'm, I'm planning on going, you know, we're going to go to Austin and we're going to go to to Vegas. But it would be good if, yeah, the barriers to entry for F1 weren't so high, you know, for that physical experience because that that's the ultimate experience of it at the end of the day. And you don't want to price people out of even thinking they can, they can afford to go to that because it does harm the products. But also... They're not gonna give a fuck if they keep setting out. <laughs> and go. that's the thing. Like I, I could see it going that way, you know. And it, I think it would be short sighted because I think they'd be missing the, 
the bigger picture of actually yeah. the long the long term harm that it, it's difficult because this is a like I think you know for example I I love football right I love the yeah. sport and the Premier League is the institution that's grown and, and in 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 England and yeah. you've got the leagues below it and it's like we're we're so reliant on this because you know I don't just love Formula I love motorsport generally speaking yeah. right. But my interest has, has gravitated, particularly in the last kind of 10 years or so, particularly to hone into Formula One. Yeah. And if there's a few bad decisions at the top, they could like really fuck up the product, I guess. That's the thing. And, and we yeah. almost have to, we owe it to ourselves to kind of put our thoughts and opinions out there as, as fans, because, you know, it's it's in the hands of a few people who could fundamentally change the sport. Like whether it's Premier League or Bundesliga or La Liga, they're all playing the same game of football with the same rules. Like yeah. different motorsports have totally different rules. And we've kind of focused down on this rule set that is this Formula One, the one <coughs> formula. And it's like, if they fuck it up, then it's like, oh, fuck. Like it, it does yeah. feel a bit more precarious as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And look, you're looking at, there is, there has been a trickle down effect of people getting into Formula One, then getting into like IndyCar, getting into um, you know WEC, NASCAR, even MotoGP. Like you know, people are getting that bug for racing, and if they're not getting, and then they're finding out, oh, it's much cheaper for me to go to an IndyCar yeah. race. It's much cheaper for me to go to the Le Mans 24 and it's an incredible experience and it's like so much cheaper. There will be like, you know, if they if they don't keep, I guess if they do just target the upper echelon of people who want to go because they can afford it, if the product ever does, like you say, stop to be worth that, then it's going to be hard to get those fans back who've already gone. Good point. Them. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a really good point. Really good point. Um, so speaking of money, 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 um, I wanted to have a chat about, I guess, like something, I guess I wanted to bring something on here that we always kind of like back and forth about, which is the business of the content creator, I guess. Um, and especially the F1 content creator. And I guess there's, there's people who might be watching this, who are wanting to start their own platform of whatever sort. It might be Formula One, it might be fashion might be fucking cooking might be anything right um and i guess in your only time someone asked me this the other day and i i was like unsure but i i have an opinion do you think it's easier to start uh, an f1 platform now than it was when you started yours and if you were to start your F1 platform now, would you do it in the same way? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> oh, do I think... Hmm, I think that now there is a bit more of a... Okay, so when I started, tw middle of 2019, when I started making F1 videos, okay. before, I st before I started... I wasn't consuming F1 content really on YouTube apart mm. uh, outside of the official sources. You yeah. know, I'd watch, I'd watch the highlights of practice sessions and all that. Cause I didn't always have, you know, sky sports or whatever. Um, I didn't really follow much, but, but my understanding 
you know, once I did get into the content creation space in the middle of 2019 is that there weren't a lot of other people doing it. You know, I took my approach where I used to do football videos and I just was like, I just want to talk about F1 in the same way I talk about football. So I just kind of, and that was a more tried and tested in 2019. There were a lot of very established football creators. Um, So I think that, I guess maybe now it's, now it's a bit easier to know what can work because I think there is, you know, whether it's what well, you guys do, what I do, what Aldas, Chamber, Josh Revel, all these different creators where we've all got our different kind of angle on the sport. Um, but you look at, you know, go to your channel, go to my channel, go to it, like look at the most yeah. successful videos for everyone and be like, okay, what, you know, there, there's more, I guess, references to look yeah. at and be like, okay, cool. Well, where am I going to, where's my lane going to be? Because yeah. I think there's, there's enough lanes for everyone because it's such a... Yeah like multifaceted sport right i think i think it's more um that in that way specifically i think it's easier now but i think in every other way it's harder because there's a lot more people doing it there's um there's there's not that same it's like anything you know early early to market is always going to help you it's you know there's huge creators on youtube who just Mm. sit and chat and get millions and millions of views <laughs> because yeah. uh, but if, if some random did that no one would watch you know so yeah I, I i think that overall i would say it's more difficult now um i reckon um yeah i, I reckon overall it's it's more of a challenge to to, to again to, to monetize it and be, i guess mm. careerify it. i i know youtube this is my the platform that i've chosen to kind of put my flag on you know i've dabbled a little bit on shortfall and I can't really speak too much for, you know, TikTok because it is very, you know, hardware wise, you don't really need the yeah. software. You don't need all of that time to build out a 10, 15, 20 minute video. It's just, you know, there's more opportunities to gain that virality, but also, you know, just one, two viral TikToks is nowhere near enough to turn it into a career. You have to have that sustained. And I think that's the, that's a different kind of challenge, I think, on YouTube. So yeah, harder. It- it is, yeah. I think I was gonna say if if I was gonna start, I think it's harder. If I was gonna start an F one platform now, going off what you said, I would probably just start a TikTok. Anyone ever asks me, I think because of who we are and how I am or how I would like to make content. If anyone ever asks me, like Nash, how like what's the best way to promote a, a podcast? How do I get my podcast ever more views? I'm like, you need to learn how to edit videos. Hmm. Like, end of discussion. Like, we didn't, we, if we had no video and we were just an audio, we wouldn't be where we are. And if we didn't have videos which were like, kind of got shared quite a lot on Twitter at the right time, I think us coming in in 2021 was just like, obviously Hmm. just worked really well for us. Then I don't think we would have got to where we are today. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that we're massive, but we're definitely in a position where opportunities come for us and, and, and we get that. But it's it's a saturated market, I would say, especially podcasting. I'm not saturated, but there's a, there's a lot, there's even a lot more now choice than when we started in 21. There's just so much. There's just so many more choices for F1 podcasts. Yeah, it's just because I think the barrier to entry, particularly with a podcast, because it's you know the focus is getting the audio right. You don't even have yeah. to have video necessarily, yeah. and everyone's phones are so good now, and it's 
you know, as cheap as ever to pick up a, a little, you know, £10 microphone off of Amazon that yeah. does the job pretty well. And I, I guess as well, it's, it's, you know, for me, this was, I've been making videos like since properly since like 2016. Like I, yeah. it was my hobby. It was something I did in my spare time as, you know, I want to talk about sport. I wanted to talk about West Downs and talk about football. And then I was like, and then I did a bit of graphic design. And I wanted to talk about graphic design and do graphic design. So I did it because it was fun. You don't do something for like four years, like almost yeah. five years with yeah. no return because I want it to be a career. Like I, it was something I enjoyed doing. And it's just, yeah. you know, just like if, if you love playing golf and then all of a sudden you get signed to the PGA Tour, like you can earn money doing it. It's like, yeah. it, it, it was my hobby. And then, you know, circumstances came together and I was able to get the opportunities that I have and, and the channel kind of took off and, yeah. and that's great. Right. But if, if I was doing it today, like, like yeah, I, I guess a lot, the difference now is that, you know, people know that you can make a living off of mm. content creation around F1 YouTube. So yeah. now all of a sudden the, you know, the expectations maybe, or, around it are like oh how do i turn it how into a career because yeah because yeah, i think the idea of turning your hobby and something you love into a career is obviously enticing to everyone so yeah i mean out of a pure you know I'm sure there's different career decisions if i was like right today i'm, I'm blank slate and i need to make a professional f1 mm. content creation channel the decisions i'd make for that would be very different to if i just if i wanted to make content today that I didn't have a channel, I would do exactly what I'm doing now because those are the kind yeah. of videos I like doing. Um, it's just, I'm yeah. just lucky. I'm so lucky that I can do the stuff I like doing and it also makes me money. You know, that's... No. The... Give you a little gunshot for that. That's awesome. Um, I think for... <laughs> I think it's the same. I think, but look, it's the same. Look, I, I made, I made food content for... Fuck me. I made food content for like six years before I even started Munch Club, uh, before I even started um, Quick Stop F1, I was doing food content and I was like, that was what I always thought was like, that's going to be like the career I have. I'm going to do food content. The F1 stuff started as a passion project. Hmm. I just like had all these opinions and I, I was like you, I never watched F1 content, like ever. Never, ever, ever watched F1 content. Um, and now, and then I just was like, I want to start because I want to, I just want to talk about these things. And I think mm. the best things do start from that. Like, I'm just doing this because I love doing it. I love talking about it. And you have to love making content because I always say, it, if you don't love making content, this shit will burn you out, bro. <laughs> like, like, it is, it is fun, but you know, the editing I mean, yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's been times when you've done an edit, you've realised something's wrong in export, your computer crashes. We've had recordings of whole podcasts go missing. I've had to come back on at like midnight and record a whole fucking podcast. <laughs> there's so like there's so there's so many things that could go oh, wrong. It's, um, that's true. It, it's that's true. I, 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 it's not for the faint of heart, and I think people might see like, you know, obviously in front of camera, you know, you can you can that's all fun and games and then you know whatever opportunities you get and then you know they just think everything's hunky-dory i think people do think you know you look you look at what people say about influencers mm. on the at the f1 
and people giving certain content creators a chance to be F1 or whatever, but it's not an easy job. I think people just think, oh, you, you just have a camera and you're just like, ah, yeah. And then that's it. No, I, no, I, I, I think, job at all. I think, yeah. Although, sure. Obviously, there are harder jobs. I don't, I'm not listening. Of course. Like, like, but it's not, it, uh, it's not a simple job to do, I think, is, is, is all I would say. I, I think it's it's the kind of job that you get out what you put in. And I, I yeah. think, you know, you can be lazy with it. And, you know, if you build up to a stage where you've got an audience and then you start to be lazy, I think, you know, the audience will probably catch on. And <laughs> it will ref reflect in the products that you're making. If you if you do a yeah. like, shit job in any, in, in any job, if you're, I don't know, a welder and you do shit welds, you, you're not going to keep your job for very long. And you know, you have to kind of set, yeah, I think that's the thing I find um, challenging, I suppose, because I, I set, I try and set a higher standard of myself, but also I'm definitely not a perfectionist to a T because I think that can be a really dangerous kind of, you get caught yeah. in this, a loop of like, it's never perfect and never satisfied, but I'm very good at that now. Like I'll make a video, I'll spend, you know, uh, 20 30 hours is, is typically what i'm spending now wow. per video like in total and i'll put it out there and i'll spend the you know a couple of hours after the video is released kind of replying to all of the top comments yeah and then it's kind of gone done uh, and I'll, yeah yeah uh, and all yeah. that work is just it's gone and yeah. then on no, to the it's, next <laughs> it, it's literally just that like can be another... difficult. it is difficult it can be because especially if you're like oh this one's gonna bang this one's gonna mm. do so well and then it's not. And I think I'm I'm the same. Like, you know, you you work on the thing, obviously I've get a video out, then I'm into like short form mode, right? I've got to make clips out of it, and you spend time doing clips and this and that. And then you've like you've just got to just churn out this content. You can't have too much of an emotional attachment to no, a video because no. you've just got to move on to the next one. But you'll see the results and you'll see the comments and it, it could be bad. Um I wanted to ask in terms of like business, where do you What's the future for, I guess, content creators in like business wise? Like, how do you see the monetization of, let's say, F1 content creators in, in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, when, when I think about the different ways of, of monetizing yourself and how you're able to actually quite efficiently if you've got a small invested audience and i think you're a prime example right because you. you know you've not got this massive hundreds of thousands of views on every podcast right but yeah. you've got a really engaged relatively to the space smaller but yeah. like you don't need hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views to make it if, if you can get the right people and it's 100 200 500 if you can get a thousand people to give you a tenner a month, for example, on Patreon, yeah, right, which is which is very, if you can give value, I think that's very conceivable for 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 both of us, right? At, at, yeah, you know, I think that that's, I mean, that's ten, that's one hundred and twenty k a year. Like you can, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't need these huge numbers, and I, and I think actually that's probably the more. And that's something I, I I need to do more of, to be honest. I think I'm, you know, I'm very reliant on my views and the ads yeah. that that pays and, and the sponsorship that I've put on my videos. 
I haven't mm. really done much to, you know, I've got a join on my YouTube, which is like two pound a month. I haven't yeah. done a Patreon. I haven't done these things. And I feel like, cause you know, people do want to support and yeah, I think people see value in, you know, giving to an individual and, you know, whether it's quick stop, whether it's my channel, like, you know, it's quite clear that it's just us doing our thing. Right. And we're yeah. individuals who, uh, you know, offer our own backs that we're putting ourselves into it and, you can carry again you look at matt and tom going from wtf1 and it's the behind a brand and going it alone yeah. and everyone's gone with them and you know people like supporting other people yeah. and i think that, that i think that's the real one you look at so much like youtube merchandise now there's some mad stuff going about i don't you know the childish stuff that um oh what's it oh, if you had of oh was it jay and jay and ramel Ooh, no. have you heard of them too ah oh, no. i'll have to send you a link their Please youtube do. merch is oh my goodness it is the it's unreal they're youtubers nice. and they've made this merch i'll send you a link now i'm just, I'll, on, I'll, just I'll, on their twitter now oh this is nice jam room it's called childish that's childish that yeah oh that's yeah. gorgeous yeah the photography the like it's so slick and i mean they've got a big audience now right but they yeah. used to be youtubers not so much anymore, um, but they've just got this super engaged audience who will just buy everything, like everything sells out straight away. And it's like, yeah, I think that direct monetization, that's the, I think that's the, that's the future. I think that's the way I would like to become less reliant on sponsors and views on my channel. And I think that's something next year I want to make a conscious effort to do yeah. more of. I, I think it's, yeah, I think you're right to be honest. Like I think, <clears throat> I think that's what, I think it's like, there's two worlds, isn't there? You've got basically your, or three, I guess. You've got like the direct stuff. So like, obviously like we would make money off of, yeah, AdSense, small amount on that, small amount on our podcast advertising. We've got a licensing deal. So we actually get a bit more than we used to on that, which is quite cool. Um, and that's that for us. That's pretty much it. We've not. We're not even at the point now where we're probably uh, big enough to have like read-ons or like brand sponsorships. But that's something we'll probably be looking to do again. Probably the inverse to you, like or converse, whatever. Like we hmm. we will probably look to like bring sponsors on board for stuff hmm. like that next year. But I think there's a perception from. I think there's still like an old school kind of mentality with advertisers that obviously the bigger the person they go with, the more views they got, then the more impactful that their product, the advert will be. Whereas mm. there's also theories that, you know, if you were to go with someone who had a small targeted audience who do support everything they do, then the support that they'll give to your product, if you're aligned with them, could be just as great as going with a large thing. And I think... Those are the kind of attitudes which I'm definitely starting to see shift within the world of like advertising and the external. Yeah, but I yeah, think yeah. If, if I was going to give any advice to someone, it would be just try and cultivate your own community. And I think what I think what we've been able to do, yeah, is kind of show that yeah, you can. You know, when we did the live shows, it was just crazy seeing the length it, people man. came to, to to come and support mm. and we're, we're so grateful for it um so yeah and, and that's where i see the future of f1 kind of the space the bigger the space gets i think the more they're going to 
the more money there is going to be for content creators, but you're going to have to show value in one way or the other. So if you either you can go the traditional route and really big numbers and whatever, or I think the indie route is going to yeah. be the the one. Yeah, it, it it's creators. definitely yeah. It's it's not a necessary um, component to have the huge numbers. I mean, I used yeah. to. I used to work at a PR agency more. I was like graphic designer. Right. But I, I, you know, in some of these planning meetings and you know, the amount of, they would do doing a social campaign. It was always more effective to target, say, I don't know, 10 influencers with 10,000 followers versus one with 100,000. And, you know, and then a hundred with a thousand followers would be even more effective. Like, so again, it's, you know, there is a lot to be said, like you say, for, for that reliable return audience. And, you know, I I mean, I think I'm quite fortunate with my, you know, views from subscribers is quite high. And yeah, I I can imagine like yours is like really high as well. And I think that is such a, like, that gives me, I think a lot of, um, gives me a degree of like security because yeah. I know that there's people out there who do come back time and time again and do, you know, I don't always have to think, Oh, what's going to get the most views? Like, cause you have to think about that stuff when you start relying on this to pay your mortgage and pay your bills. Of course you do. Yeah. You have to think about yeah. that. But at the end of the day is also like, you know, I've got to where I am. You've got to where you are by like speaking about the sport in the way that we want to. And some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. And that's, that's fine. <laughs> there's, there's something for everyone, you know? It's yeah. all good. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, look, speaking of, <laughs> I couldn't get you on. <laughs> I couldn't get you on without having a quick chat. Um, I don't even know how to frame this, to be honest. But, um, okay. So I was recently on <laughs> the last lap show. Um, uh, you were the indeed. Australian, uh, the Australian Grand Prix uh, yes it was wasn't it um so you know just there so everyone knows i woke up woke up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> T- took my ass to hackney in a fucking oh uh, god what, yeah what, they what were we wearing weren't we? <laughs> we i was wearing a fucking minion onesie that was it that was um it. i was wearing a minion onesie to be fair of my own accord <laughs> um uh, yeah, and, I, did, I didn't extract that. that was, yeah, all, all on you, bro. <laughs> all on me. We get there. Niran is on one. Like, oh, <laughs> Niran he was is still frazzled. It, it's come straight from a night out. So he's come straight from a night out. So he's a frazzled. So then there's a disrunner and coke flowing at like four yep. in the morning. We then watch the race. Um, and let's just say the reaction to me. I was actually. You know what? I was actually quite surprised. There was a really negative reaction to me being on the show um, and to, I guess, what I was doing on the show. And uh, to, to a point, there was some reaction which was around me being, I guess, annoying, me being crass, because I think I cheered when Alonso went out, um, uh, just general annoyance with me in general, which was bad enough. But then obviously there was, I think, some stuff that kind of, not kind of definitely creeped into into racism, I guess. And I guess, I guess, and I thank you for the message that you sent after. So I really do appreciate that. Um, I guess it must be, I guess, yeah, in this content creation space, 
How do you, I guess, like as a content creator and I guess as a platform, like how do you, how do you try and counter stuff like that? Because I guess it, I was quite, because I remember I'd been on your podcast before mm. and I remember being really surprised that all of the comments were like quite nice. <laughs> mm. And I was like, and the thing is, just so you know, this isn't the first time we, you know, we've gone on a platform and got racist abuse. We went on Red Flags podcast. And, mm. and had all manners of shit, like probably the worst, worst abuse I've ever faced. So I guess, I guess, is it a problem that you kind of see, yeah, quite, quite within F1 and I guess as a platform for yourself, like how, how do you counter stuff like that? Yeah, obviously like, yeah, it, you know what? It, it's really difficult to, look, I, I'm interested in the a solution that, and the, the, there's, there's no solution. Unfortunately, yeah. like I'm interested in doing what, and that's why I reached out to you afterwards. Cause I was yeah. just like, I don't want to take it on my own back, especially, you know, as a white bloke who's never experienced, you know, that type of, you know, that type of harassment, that, that type of shit. I, I, cause you can, the thing is with, with the internet, right? If you try and approach situations like you would in real life, so say, for example, you fuck up, you make a mistake, you say something yeah. you didn't want to say or whatever, <laughs> and in real life, and you, you upset someone or whatever, in real life, you're like, I'm sorry, this is what I meant. You explain yourself and, yeah. you know, you hope that they take it and you you move on, you move for it. On the internet, when you address things, more often than not addressing something makes it worse because you yeah. feed the... The, the people who you give it attention. This is why so often, you know, when pe people rightfully get cancelled online, they just go silent and then they come back in six months' time, they don't address it and they just carry on like like nothing's yeah. happened. That is the strategy for dealing with whether you're being rightfully or wrongfully targeted. Um, that is the the strategy online. So yeah, like unfortunately it's a it's it's a byproduct of, you know, when you like with the last lap, you know, this is what this is why I loved having you on so much. You know, it's mm. it's just we're having a conversation, we're shooting the shit. It's it's that's how people consume the sport. Like, and yeah. when you've got five big four K cameras on you, capturing every moment, <laughs> capturing everything that's said and everything that's done, and people, you know, thousands of people around the world are watching it and all perceiving it from their own angle. Like, yeah. Yeah, mate, it's it's a minefield, and that's why. Yeah, it's again. I, I'm, you know, I've 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 I acknowledge I've I've got my privileges, and it's not something I've had to, you know, when I'm called out for terrible opinions, it's because it's a terrible opinion. The worst I'll get is British bias. Like, I'll fucking live with that. Like it's, and that's why it's just yeah. I guess that's why afterwards I was just like, I I, I didn't know how to. To, to deal with it it's best a, i just wanted to yeah. make sure like you were right and how can because you know you can try and do what you think is the right thing to do and then it ends up making the situation worse yeah i think like there you know there's always an argument for either side right there's an argument that you know you you know there could have been something put out to be like look we don't agree with this you know this that, and the other i in all honesty like i i didn't want that and I, you know just because yeah, like, 
I will admit, like, it did hurt at first. But not hurt. It fucking, it was annoying at first because you're just, like, fucking out. And we were all frassed. <laughs> like, um, and we're having a great time. And we were all uh, having a great time. It was all a laugh. Like, And I thought, to be honest, I thought that the spirit of that would come through on screen. Mm. But I think, I, I do think there's an element where you know, where there are there are stereotypes and biases that kind of are involved with with within F1 of Hamilton fans, of black Hamilton fans. And look, that's fine. All the comments about, you know, there was some I hate how funny some of the me comments were. Like I think someone someone said that it sounded like I was gargling gravel. Someone said that I was. Someone, <laughs> someone, someone said I sounded like Boris Johnson. Someone like, and like some of them was like, but then you know, a lot of it was kind of Boris stemmed Johnson. in the fact that I was, yeah, just this kind of you know, a black guy supporting those hammer and being loud and I guess in their eyes obnoxious when it's just a passion for the sport. But for me, I just wanted, I, I think I. Would all for me, just how I want to deal with things is 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 on my own terms. But I guess I guess there is something there for you look under any post, Formula One post, you know, there's always if it's about Lewis, there's always something in there. Like mm. if you look at uh if you look at the stuff that we do that goes if it goes like, you know, not even viral, but if it goes like semi popular. If yeah, you go yeah. under the comments, there's something in there. If you go, especially like TikTok, if I go in my approved fucking comments, done. Last week on Instagram, someone put a horrible picture reply on one of the mm. videos that of Tandy, who gets it a lot worse than me. So there is just, there is an inherent problem with F1. I think just when it all sports the world, there's an inherent problem mm. with racism, but it does feel like F1... I guess because we're in it every day and we experience it, it, it does seem to have like a real problem with black people. I can't say black people, but like, yeah, it does have a problem with racism. It does have a problem with sexism as well, mm. uh, misogyny and all of those things. And I, it, it's just, uh, it's sad, right? Because we love the sport and we love everything, you know, about the sport. But I guess, but I guess, you know, I guess even within the sport itself, there's, you know, there's there's certain issues within the sport itself, and I guess maybe that that trickles down into the fans, and then obviously as independent content creators, and in, in one way mm. or another, we kind of. And, and I think you know where where F one and and the teams are putting out, you know, there's a lot more initiatives and all of Lewis's work and like the Hamilton Commission and yeah. you know the things that Mercedes have, have have talked about doing and you know racing prides and you know extending beyond yeah. that into like LGBTQ and all that. Like I, I think as as these initiatives grow, you will unfortunately get the people who are at the opposite end will scream and shout even louder. And yeah, I I guess it's uh it yeah that's something that like I say, it's a really difficult thing to, you know, with 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 any kind of um, anything, any any kind of stick, any kind yeah. of things that you say, and how like the audience, you know, how you're you're putting your. It's impossible to know who's you know listening and, and watching at the other end of that yeah. camera, right? And uh, you know, it can take one person um, to say something. And how it kind of disproportionately 
you know, you, you focus more on the negatives than positives. That's just kind of human nature, right? You get a hundred great comments, you get one bad one, and that's kind of what you double down on. But like, I, what, what do you what do you think is the again? It's, there's not a solution, right? But what is the best way? Would you say of of handling these, particularly when it's you know, because you know we're, we're all allowed to have you know people have sporting disagreements that's fine yeah right? there's a there, there is then a line that it, it passes you know how how do how do because you know you see statements but you know what is actually going to make a tangible because I, I what would you think is the is the best yes solution? it's it's hard right it's hard because you can't Okay, so I think it starts with the person that, not you, but anyone, the person that you are, right? And then the content you put out. And then I guess, you know, if if I think there's some channels which are a hotbed or safe space for people who think a certain way. Hmm whether that's based on the driver they support, whether that's based on the team they support, whether that's based on nationalities, whatever, the content that gets put out or the the kind of things that get said on that channel or platform would encourage it. You know what? I'll come out and say it. I felt like if you looked under, like peak WTF1, if you looked under their, their comments, lovely guys, I'm sure, but I used to notice under their comments, you know, if they ever did say anything about Hamilton, some of the comments were just like horrible, like absolutely mm. horrible. And, and, and I verging on racism so i uh, i'm not saying that's like a prime example i'm sure it wasn't done on purpose on their part but i do think some platforms encourage it now when it does happen I, uh, there's no solution to you're never going to stop people being cunt respectfully like it's they're always going to be people who do that they're going to people who use racism as a, as a tool to provoke as a tool to you know getting a reaction out of you um i think i've actually said now that i'm not going to react so i've spent a long time reacting to people and kind of showing it more to highlight just how much we get it mm. but i'm i'm not reacting anymore to racist comments like i'm just going to ignore them now because i i i i don't think that it helps me and i don't think i don't think i want to give attention to it but as platforms mm. i guess i guess you just have a duty i think platforms have a duty of care to the people that they have on right so i guess it's just one of those where like you know and I, and, I, and i guess you know and a duty of care to people and a duty of care to perspective people and i guess you just want to make it clear whether that's whether it's a, a quip on broadcast or whether it's a statement or whatever, I guess they should be, maybe it should be just made clear, like, you know, you know, we don't kind of stand for that. But also, you know, like you say, you don't want to fan the flames more. You don't want to give people attention. So it is this balancing act of wanting to show that you're a company or a platform that doesn't encourage these things, but also you don't want to feed into trolls. And I guess my response to it is probably different to what Tandy might do. 
what yeah. Tani might do is very different to what you might do. What you might do is very different to what another black person or person of color would do, or another person of any of the kind of protected characteristics that we kind of we kind of have. So it's a tough one, and we're all the thing is we're all just figuring this out live. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there's no training manual for this. Like, no one told me that I would have to deal with this, like, when, when I started making content. And mm. it's it's really hard to crystallize how I would want to act in, in certain situations. And it's like an evolving thing. But I think it always kind of starts with, you know, who are you? What do you want to put out? And, and, and then we go from there. Yeah, because, mm. I mean, it's something which obviously... You know, I, I do, I, I've spoken on the past and I'm not sure actually, you know, I thought about it more since and I don't really, yeah. I almost know less where I sit on it. I talked about kind of drivers um, and because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the faceless Twitter accounts, yeah. they'll rep a driver and then whenever their driver has a, you know, this, yeah. they just send this torrent of abuse and every single driver has, you know, people running their face as their profile picture, sending horrific stuff on the internet. Yeah. yeah, it's, and, you know, part of me is like, well, if the drivers themselves acknowledged and said, you know, you don't represent me, like, directly with like, you know, that's like fucked up, like, denounced it, I guess, publicly. Yeah. Would that help? Would that, because that, that, that's the, I guess that's ultimately, it's like, you, you can react you know, we all, you can get that initial want to react, you know, in a certain yeah. way. And, and, and again, if, if someone said that to you in the street, you know, it's a totally different yeah. ball game, right? You've got the anonymity of social media, which gives people this disgusting, you know, confidence to just say this horrific stuff, whether they mean it or not, like they, they yeah. say it and they put it out there. Right. And, and like you say, whether it's just goading a reaction or whether it is genuine hatred, and it's just, I, I just, I, I don't know now. Cause I'm just like, you know, does that just, you know, say, you know, the, the abuse that, you know, Lewis got from a subset of Max fans, you know, in 2021 or the racist abuse that was getting chucked at him, like would Max coming out and would that actually stop it? Or would that just go the people on to be like, Oh, if we do it again next time, then he's going to react again. Like, I don't know. It's it's a tough one, isn't it? I would I would have liked it, but I mean, and to be fair, Max fans would say that they, uh, when he, um, uh, when they were burning his merch or burning Mercedes merch, Max came out and did say like, "This is this is fucked." Like, I don't agree hmm. with this. Um, and but then also, I guess you'd have to say that, let's say post Silverstone. I think there was a big, I think there was a big lack of understanding how Red Bull's reaction and the things they said and the kind of dog whistles that they said mm -hmm. kind of encouraged the abuse that Lewis got. And I think it would take, I think it would take for drivers to do that. I think, look, if drivers, I think they would, you'd think like, from their point of view, if I step in once for this one person who's being abused or, or whatever, like, mm. am I going to have to do it every single time? And, you know, what's the effectiveness of that? I do, I do get that. But also, I think on the other side, there's going to have to be like an admittance that the things that 
they do or say may have contributed to that. And then if you're doing that, uh, are these drivers that self-aware? And if they are, do they even want to put that out there? And, I, and I'm not saying that every racist abuse is because of, you know, of a driver and whatever they've done or said, but it's, yeah, it's, again, it's a tough one. I think, I think, I think what people would like from F1 drivers in general is for there to be more solidarity on things like this. Like it's, it's crazy that, you know, maybe we're asking too much of these people who knows, right? Like, you know, how many, when you think about it, how many footballers are active in philanthropy and social activism and, and, and so forth, like as a percentage, basketball players, NFL players, but we're asking these 20 men, you know, we, we, we kind of bemoan the fact that Lewis is the only one that's asked about social issues. I think there's a reason for that, but you know, Seb was, again, a leader in um, environmental issues, LGBTQ plus issues. And then once he's gone, it's left like a bit of a chasm, which, you know, no one seems to want to feel. And I think, I think that's where, I think that's where the drivers should be more proactive than reactive. And I Mm. think if drivers were more proactive and were contributing to the conversations around equality and around these things and, normalizing it within their fan base i think that would do more than statements after the fact yeah yeah no because i think that you know how say a public figure makes a statement denouncing like is that gonna stop these people no like it might make a a few few think twice maybe but is it actually what what is actually going to make the difference and you touched on it is like actually fostering a community that will won't allow that to fly won't allow that shit to yeah. fly you know what i mean because you know we as a we have a response like even you know was it austria last year where you know there was some pretty yeah. sexist heckling as far as i remember anyway yeah. that was going on um yeah. and and like that that shit gets stamped out when everyone around yeah. calls it out and doesn't allow and doesn't just sit by idly while it happens. I think, you know, we've seen that. Well, I, I, was it a video at Monza? I seem to remember some like, and there was, I think, yeah, like some a Red kind Bull of, fan getting harassed. No, was it? Yeah, was it a fan getting harassed by like a, a Ferrari fan? I think so. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone yeah. else is just kind of sat around, <laughs> just like not really doing. And, you know, I, it, it's it's uncomfortable to stand up for for what's right but i just think you know if we can instill that confidence and that's just uh you know we can talk about these things but it's on kind of everyone i think that's the only way it really does get you know pushed to a side because then you rather than like you say like fostering and enabling these kind of views to exist unchallenged because unfortunately when when we as the creators address it then it it's different to when the community, I guess, addresses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I and I think, I think we're looking for, we're looking for a brighter world with, <laughs> with you know, with with all of the with all of the roses and, and everything in it. Because, because like, I, you you should be able to talk about you know the sport that you love in the way you love it, and not be subjected to the shit that yeah. you were subjected to on that occasion and you've been subjected to on many other occasions, right? You should, like, you should be able to, 
that is you shouldn't have to to deal with no, that, of course no 100 percent. and i think but like like one look i get it if people find find me annoying find us annoying like that's absolutely fine i think you, you can't be like there's something for you, everyone you're not gonna be like yeah but no, what so, i won't so, have so after you, yeah I was just going to say that like, I, I think there is a a degree of a degree I think of the problem, and not at the extremity when people jump into, you know, just like just the the racism, the bigotry, and all that. Right? I just think there's a degree of people can't stand, and I don't know whether it's just because of the echo chamber of Twitter, but but it feels like people really struggle to hear opinions that they don't agree with and just like yeah. processing it and trying to understand and just respectfully disagreeing. Like I, I know, yeah. you know, there's, there's yeah. social credit, isn't there online of like getting a quote tweet and ratioing them or whatever. Right. But it's just, yeah. I, I, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in all my listeners agreeing with everything that I think I want to put my views and opinions out there. I love going through the comments because I love seeing what other people and, and I, I don't want everyone to just do because that's stupid. Like you shouldn't agree yeah, with everything exactly. that, that your favorite creator is saying. Like you just take it with a bit of nuance. And if someone like you're not going to agree with every sport and opinion I have, vice versa. And that's that's yeah. fine. Cause when do you agree? Like when you were down the pub with your mates talking about sport, what are you just sitting there agreeing with everything? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, yeah, oh yeah, that's a very good point. So well done. Like, no, fuck off. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> No, it's true. And I think, yeah, no, there's definitely, there's definitely an element of that. I think F1 is crazy. F1 is like more tribal I, online than football, I would say. Like, th like the, the extent. Why do you think that is? Oh, Tomo, I think that there are, uh, okay. How do I put this? I okay. I think there's a few reasons. I think one, we're tied to clubs from a nationalistic and even local kind of sense, right? You support mm -hmm. your kind of localish team. I support my localish team, um, and I'm tied to an organization. I'm tied to an entity, and everything that that entity is. Whereas F1 have and also cultivated this sense of like cult-like fandom for individual people and drivers to the point where I think they're viewed almost as not deities, but these enhanced, super perfect people that could do no wrong that are always wronged and i think anyone who expresses an opinion against that it's almost as if you are personally disrespecting mm. that person sometimes i am but <laughs> i um but but i think as, as that, we all do as we all do as we as we all do right so sometimes i do think that some of the the pushback that you get as a content creator is because people have such deep feelings for this person, not even this team, really, unless you're a Ferrari fan. There's not that many. There's not another team that's no, really got... Even Mercedes fans, we're, 
mostly are the Lewis fans. Mm. Or we're George fans. Like, mm. you know, right? So I think, I think for me, that's, that's where the problem lies. I do think there's been, and I think the, I don't want to say, I think the influx of fans, influx of younger fans who absolutely support and rep these drivers to the hilt. Um, I think that, again, the style and the way that things are online across the board now. Look, I'm on Black Twitter every fucking day. It's a fucking shithole over there. Like, it's the same thing. Arguments, one-upmanship, clout, this, that, and the other. Like, it's mm. ridiculous. And I think, I think it's just a reflection of that that we see in F1, but it is... Mm. It is intense. Mm. Like it is, for example, the videos that I've done when I've gone on on last lap, like the Daniel Ricciardo videos, for example. Mm. If I say that on on our channel, I don't think that does the numbers they done in the retweets or whatever, right? But because we've got quite, a, I think everyone on it, most people watching channel would probably would have agreed with it and all would have seen it for. The the level of comedy that was involved in it, right? But I mean, I remember coming off air and read uh, and reading the comments and being like, uh, "You're going after his mental health." You, and it's just, and I was just like, "Guys, like we've got to relax here." Like, but we're used to. I think we're used to seeing it in like football. You look at football content; those guys are going in. Like, if you say, go watch Arsenal Fan TV, go watch any fucking football, like, content which uses comedy and not just tactical analysis, which is, like, an entertainment yeah, yeah, first. Yeah. They are going in on these players, bro. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's fine because everyone knows that there's a level of respect there. I'm here to make content, make it entertaining. Yeah. It's not a personal attack. Yeah, there's a different, there's a different, you, there's a different expectation. There's a different, there's different assumptions. There's like, it's, it's hyperbole. That's. Yeah. Of, Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, and that can, that's, that's the difficulty, you know, we, that can be lost and, and it's very difficult to perfectly articulate like yourself all of the time, especially on like a live stream, especially when yeah. you're chatting and you've you you know you're reading the room you can't you don't know who's on the other like there's four yeah. of us in the room chatting right yeah. and there is a fifth person that could be anyone like we yeah. have no idea who that person is and then obviously you know that's when then that you know the the intent and and the way that you're talking about stuff gets lost because you know we're, we're all guilty of of again for, it, it's sport you know you get you know, when the ref yeah. calls a bad decision in football, you're like, fuck off, ref. Like, like you're not yeah. going to go into their... Fa- like, there's... In, in that content, you in that context, you're going to... That's just how we as sports fans articulate. And, and it's almost like it's the best thing about F1 is the humanity and the stories, but it yeah. also can be the worst thing about F1. It kind of gives as much as it takes away yeah. because the opposite extremes, it can be, you know, when you've got this real human story and it comes good, like... It's amazing, and then when you've got this, like you've you've said something, and it's been you know taken in a way that you didn't even you know consider, 
And yeah. all of a sudden, it's like you've got you can get dogpiled, and it can feel horrible, right? Because even if, especially, I guess that's the that is the biggest thing I I still struggle with with this is the whole being. I I never want to be misunderstood. Like, have a pop at me for what I believe in, fine. Yeah. But if it's not what I try to articulate, it's not it's not my the intent behind my words. Your words are a, a vessel for your intent and feelings it's just a way of communicating it it's like that's that's the thing that's that's really tough to to deal with i suppose it is oh mate it is it's crazy that you just get kind of thick skin <laughs> like, you have to you have to press the, yeah man press that me button and like let it go like the people that go back and forth with people all day and i've been oh. guilty of it sometimes because sometimes i've got time but, yeah i used to as well but to. you just you can't you can you because you're you'll never win like, you will never win an argument right. online. There will never be. And that's why I've just started saying, you know what, fair play, you have it, mate. Like, you win. Enjoy that. Like, I, because I just, I cannot. Or have a nice day. Lead with love. Because there's never arguing for, to understand. It's just arguing to, to pile on. And I think, well, look, you know, some people will say, look at you. Two fucking men arguing about how horrible life is for you. Um, so you know what? Let me let me bring that to a close. But that has been uh, that has been a, a lovely conversation. And thank you for being here. And, and uh, I've kept you way past that. How, how much longer? How much I was I'm happy to be here, time. man. But I that was awesome. Um, let me give you a round of applause. Thank you so much, Tomo. Oh my god! What a, what a lovely chat. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, Tomo on YouTube, T-O-M-M-O, or Tuomo, so Twitter Tomo yeah. together. <laughs> is that what it on, is? On, on, on Twitter. Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> Everyone asks. I'm like, fuck's sake. It sounded clever to me when I came up with it. It's like yeah, Tumo? Yeah. Tumo? Yeah, I was, I was like, I just thought it was like, yeah, like W for like. You know, like oh, W, like your winner or whatever, whatever they. Well, do. I mean that as well. Where the kids, like the kids say, like yeah, yeah common Tuomo win. I was like, Womo, I've got, I'm so old. Tuomo <laughs> moment. You're, <laughs> you're showing your age now, and you're sure. so um, old. <laughs> oh, mate, so um, the greys are the greys are coming thick and fast. Oh yeah, shit! You, YouTube, Twitter, boom, happy days. That's me. Is your dog about? He is. Do you want me to get him? Yeah, let's get. We're gonna have a dog off. Hold on, let's go. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> next to me. This Daddy. is Minton. He's been sleeping. Look at our show. I think I've worked Teddy. Oh, we said that. Come on, Teddy. Someone said we should have a dog off. Oh my God! Look at Teddy. So I think Teddy was asleep as well. So look at what breed is Teddy? Oh my god! So we've been just telling he's everyone beautiful. he's a Pomeranian for ages, but he's actually a German Spitz. Um, oh my god! Uh, and he's yeah, very very cuddly. But minutes, look at me, he's so tired. He's so, he's just yawning away. He's um, knackered. So yeah, that was for the people that were asking for the dog off between <laughs> me and you. Uh, so oh, <laughs> Teddy's that. beautiful, man. Hey, yeah, is he struggling in this heat? Uh, a little bit. So he he likes to. Luckily, our garden's like quite um, quite shaded, so we can oh, okay. let him out uh in into the garden. And like the paving stones stay stay quite cool. There you go. Then. 
Just, uh, <laughs> stay quite cool so he can just chill outside with the breeze and that so he's all right but on walks he is yeah he's definitely can't go walking too far in this heat bless him um but yeah no bless. thank you for having the dog off with me there <laughs> <we go>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and thank you guys at home for sticky if you got to this part you must like us so give us a like and a subscribe much appreciated to all of you guys oh make sure you're giving us a five star review on spotify on the road to 500 we are at currently Ooh. what are we doing what are we doing where's my podcast there it is <laughs> um, we are at internet why are you embarrassing me just load my <laughs> we're at 496 so only four more of you need to like our podcast and we've got an average rating of 4.6 i was like every day i just expect us to get tanked by the haters but you they haven't <laughs> um so oh um, don't bait them yeah, don't, no, don't 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 test please, them guys, please guys please please just let me have this one thing please yeah, uh, so, so, yeah. is, is this on is this on youtube as well by the way this is on youtube yeah this is on YouTube. if you've got this far then put 496 in the comments if you've got this far in the podcast, if you got to the end. No, oh, there you go. There you go. No, see, that's why you're the dog. That's that why I'm paying the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, thank you so much for watching. We appreciate that. And remember, no matter what life throws at you, keep it on the black stuff. We'll see you. We've got a very special interview coming up for the race preview. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have some other bits and bobs as well, as well as the race qualifying uh, review as well at the weekend. So until next time, keep it on the black stuff. Take care. Goodbye.